Thanks for tuning in to Gen X Unlatched, the podcast that's designed to help Gen Xers avoid the misery of waiting until retirement to enjoy the freedoms they crave in life now. In each episode, Dr. Mario teaches Gen Xers how to successfully cross the intersection of growth and change to enter their next chapter of life with the mindset, skills, and tools they need to live a more gratifying life. If your responsibilities to others cause you to give up on pursuing life's freedoms, this podcast is for you. Join Dr. Mario as he helps Gen Xers like you reignite their passion for achieving their most ambitious dreams. Now, here's your host, professional coach, lifelong learner, educator, and speaker, Dr. Mario Jackson. Welcome to another episode of Gen X Unlatched, folks. Now, today I'm talking about a sensitive topic, the D word. No, you dirty, filthy animals. I am not talking about that. (laughs) I'm talking about divorce. Now, I went through a divorce several years ago, and it's one of the most transforming experiences that I've had in life. So I created this episode so that I could reach some folks out there who may be going through this or who are having a hard time to give them some tools and support so that they can make it through this transition. So today, I'm going to be speaking with a very special guest who's committed herself to helping folks going through divorce, Dr. Kay Thomas. Kay's professional background is very diverse. It combines more than 20 years as an experienced leader in higher education with a strong expertise in academic and student affairs. Currently, Kay is a clinical associate professor and assistant dean for student affairs and a diversity officer in the South Carolina Honors College. She teaches courses on leadership, social and cultural capital, and oversees honors advising. Dr. Thomas has extensive administrative and teaching experience, both at the graduate and undergraduate level, and they span several areas, just to name a few, like student support, student affairs administration, diversity awareness, assessment and accreditation, and financial aid and admissions. So during the episode today, you're going to hear Dr. Thomas and I talk about her experience as a recent divorcee, well, maybe fairly recent, and she's going to talk a little bit about some of the things that she's experienced as she's gone through her transition. Now, during our conversation, you'll hear us talk about things pertaining to life in general after divorce, but particularly when you get ready to start dating. So Kay is going to talk about the importance of paying attention to those red flags. She's also going to explain her views on how to know when you're really ready to jump back out there into the dating pool. And along the way, Kay is going to share some of the parental advice that she received from her parents about her experience going through her divorce. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Kay Thomas. All right, well, welcome back, Gen Xers, to another episode of Gen X Unlatched. I'm your host, Dr. Mario, and as I told you in the interview trailer, I have a special guest here with me today to talk about a topic that I think many Gen Xers can relate to, and that's divorce, or life after divorce. So please welcome me in my very special guest, Dr. Kay Thomas, 
who is here to share a little bit about her experiences and tell us a little bit about some of the things that she does in this area. So Kay, I wanna welcome you to the show. How are you today? Hi, Mario. Hi, Dr. Jackson. Do we Mario or Dr. Jackson? Mario, Dr. Mario, just don't call me telling me I owe you money. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. No, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on your show. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for joining the show today. Now, I told the listeners a little bit about you already, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and maybe a little bit about how you came to do the work that you're doing now? Sure. So I am a mid-40ish, about to hit 45 this year, very excited. Mom of an vibrant 12-year-old. So I'm a middle school preteen. I always like to start that because being a mom is, is so important to me and it's it's a choice I never thought I would make um, when I was in my 20s. So I, I love being a parent, love being my child's mom. And everything I do is, is really for her. I'm a college professor and I love, this sounds like a dating profile, but here you go. I love food, <laughs> wine, and books. And I like to golf and I love anything outdoors. And I like to share that because that really is who Kate is. And navigating life after divorce, been divorced for about three years now, has been finding myself again and finding things I like to do. And through that, I started a podcast about two years ago to help people navigate life after divorce. Um, actually, let me go back. I started the podcast because there was no one who looked like me, sounded like me, right. um, telling their story. A lot of divorce experts, and some of them have been divorced, but really talking about love bombing and dating after divorce and how to co-parent and just those things, like telling you how it is. And so I started recording my story because my friends and my therapist said, you have a story that people need to hear. Yes. And I started doing that and then built up a great following. And then from there, I realized that through my work on the collegiate level, my professional life, I do research on networks and how people connect. I could do that through, you know, what I was doing through my podcast. And so that led me to start a nonprofit called The Divorce Connection. And through that nonprofit, helping those navigate life after divorce, finding resources in our state. I live here in South Carolina and making sure that no one has to go through some of the challenges that I went through as I was going through the divorce process and still, you know, navigating life after the process. Right, right. And just so the listeners know, um, I always reach out to interview guests, of course, prior to setting up the recording for the podcast episode. And when Kay and I talked, we just had so many things in common. I'm from South Carolina and she lives in South Carolina. Uh, we're both uh, divorced. Um, we're both in academia. Well, I'm, I kind of go back and forth between academia <laughs> and on my own. <laughs> um, and as we had that conversation, we just realized there were so many things that we could unearth and tap into for the listeners today. So I'm really excited for you guys to have an opportunity to partake in some of uh, Kay's expertise. And hopefully something that we'll you know, talk about today will resonate with you and it'll give you some insights if you're in a similar situation where you're, you're kind of still trying to gather yourself uh, mm -hmm. after the end of a relationship. And it doesn't always have to be a marriage. Sometimes long-term relationships, when they end, they feel like uh, an end that's a divorce of you know, what we consider in a traditional marriage. So, you know, I, I told you, I gave you kind of a, a trigger warning at the top of this before I hit right. record, Kay, that, you know, this is something that I have not dug into within my own self as much, 
So I'm sure we might hit some landmines with me and, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of try to make sure I, you know, don't fall apart. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to trigger you. Hopefully not, but you know. No, no it, it won't be any of your doing, I promise you. But I'm really excited to kind of just, you know, compare notes on some of the challenges that you had to overcome. And thinking about the length of the time that you've been, you know, divorced, what were some of those immediate challenges or obstacles that you had to deal with before you could even start thinking about what the future was going to look like? Yes, one of the things that, um, and I, when I've talked to men going through the divorce process, sometimes women deal with their feelings a little bit better than men do. And I'll never forget, my ex-husband said to me that I had a longer time to process than he did. And I had started thinking about divorce um, probably about maybe a year or two before I actually asked for the divorce. So I was the one who asked for the divorce. And at the time, I'm a person of faith, so I was praying for discernment in my marriage. I could just see us drifting apart. Mm -hmm. And our divorce was what most people call amicable. Um, we, you know, didn't really have any challenges, like, between each other, didn't need mediation or anything right. like that. We could work it out amongst ourselves. But getting to, to that and answer your question, one of the immediate first things I had to deal with was where to live and where to go. And as I started, that's why I talked about, I was thinking about it um, about a year before. I was like, what is this going to look like? You know, right. I have a young child. We both come from two-parent households. We're both, you know, involved in our, in our church. And just some of those things. And how was I even going to do this? And so just trying to find some information on my own without really sharing it with anybody. At the time, the only person that I shared this with was my cousin because she had gone through a divorce. And she was actually like, no, if you can talk these things through, um, if you can work this out with him, like I'm here for you, but you know, sometimes you can't. And my biggest concern at the time was my child. Right. And she's a psychiatrist and her son was probably about the same age as my daughter was, eight years old at the time when she divorced. And thinking about those, but then realizing that and this is why I said to him that at the time of the divorce, I don't want to hate you because right. you're the father of my child. And I know if we stay married, I will. And I did not, I, I did not want to have those feelings. And I could kind of feel them harvesting. You know, we just weren't talking. Yeah. So the, the first challenge I experienced was just where do I even start for the process? Because who's going to help me with no family here in South Carolina? So I had to find a place to live. And I said at the time, I prayed and I said, God, if you can't find me a place to live where I don't have to affect my, my child in terms of schooling and being close to her dad, then I know that, that this is a sign of all these things align and everything just aligned. I found an apartment located in the same neighborhood um, where we were, like literally down the street, you know, not too far from her, from where we were staying at the time. Um, the apartment complex, like, oh, you don't have to do first month's rent. You have great credit. So all you need to just pay is just your, your regular rent. And also we pay for moving because within 15 mile radius. And so I didn't wow. have to pay for, I know, I didn't have to pay for moving expenses. Those things, now. <laughs> I know totally, you know, and it was, I was just blessed. So things aligned, the, the apartment was ready. Just all these things aligned to say, okay, this is the right decision to make because if they did not align, then I knew there was more work to be done. Right. And I was also financially blessed to walk away from my marriage. So not only having those things, I had those funds to do some things and I had financial support from parents that would help me out if need be. So, and I also didn't want my ex to have to go and do, get some things. So I don't want there to be any excuse. And so right. I left a lot of things there. And then I started getting things on my own and I had parents who said, we'll buy the bed for your child. You know, I was going to rent my furniture. My mom's like, we'll buy your furniture for you. Like, you don't have to rent, you know. So right. a lot of people don't have that. 
Exactly. And that then let me, um, well, I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but then also the, there was still the, that, the parenting that where am I going to live was that immediate first challenge. And then what is the effect that's going to be on our child? Yeah. And it sounds like you had a, a wonderful network and resource to kind of catch you um, or, or at least to kind of feel like you had something under your feet as you were traversing this, this unknown path and not quite sure where it was going to land. Now, one of the things that you said, though, that, that kind of stuck out to me was, you know, you had not told anybody, right? So how, was there some shame? Was there some guilt? Yes. Like what was going on in that very initial stage after you made the decision and your reluctance or maybe even fear to inform other people of what was going on in your marriage? Yeah. So even though the the network, meaning my parents, would be able to, you know, to help. And then, um, you know, when I moved, my um after i moved it was around my birthday and so birthdays to me are about family because it's a summer birthday and so it was going to be my first birthday and you're talking about you being triggered i, I could get you triggered this conversation too as well it was my first birthday not having not spending with any anybody so my parents came to see me my cousin flew up from florida i didn't even ask her to she just oh, said nice. hey, i'm coming up on, on friday and i was like oh okay you know she's like so meet me in charlotte and in looking, she always shows up whenever I need her, always does. So that was nice. But then there was still the question of why? Why are y'all getting divorced? Y'all are young. You, you can't work this out. You know, the little questions that were kind of underlying, you know, and, um, and, and what that looked like. And so it, it was a bit of, of shame, you know, is, is Kay being selfish again? You know, is this just about you? You know, and yeah. I'm known in my family to be, it's all about, all about me, you know, to an extent. Right. And we just got married seven years ago. What are people going to say at my job? You yep. know, yeah. every being, you know, being in academia, you know, some supposed to be a professor, you have the summers off, things like that. And so I had to go to my boss, my dean, and tell him what was going on because I needed days to move and, right. and to be. And I kept that, that conversation very close to only him and my assistant associate deans that serve with me and then a staff member that I supervise. There's, you know, who are you, who are you going to talk to your person of faith? You know, you're, a, you know, a, a black person and in the, in the black community, sometimes divorce is not looked at positively. Mm -hmm. Y'all can't pray through it. You can't work through it, you know, and it's, and, and that's why I said, you know, through my podcast and through my nonprofit, I don't want anyone to have to feel that way. And if you do feel that way, right. where do you go to get that help? And, right. and, and yeah. It's almost like you have to make a choice, right? You have yeah. to choose whether or not this is going to, something, going to be something you're transparent about. And you have to look at your track record with all of your, you know, your social circle. Like, have you been transparent about everything that was going on up to, to this mm -hmm. point? And now suddenly you're not. So of course they're going to suspect. And then how much transparency do you, do you actually offer to the people that you want to be informed of this? And I know it, for me, it was a very sticky situation. Um, I can remember having a day where it was just a lot on me that day and someone came and asked me, you know, well, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm pretty good for an old divorced man. And their response to me was like, you're divorced? Right. And I'd already gone through the entire process before yes. I even muttered in, in, in a word to anyone. So, you know, I think that was some shame as well, some shame and guilt, but it was just like, how do you how do you tell people that? You How know, do you tell people? Well, and I'll tell you something that my mother said to me, two things she said to me that stuck with me through this process when I was, you know, when I was 
going when I was talking to her, my parents very supportive too as well, you know, and it's, I'm a preacher's kid. And so people are like, what did your daddy say? And I was like, my father didn't say anything um, that he wouldn't have said in, with any other situation of like, pray about it. You know, this is, we'll hear this to help you. He made a funny joke and said, you know, well, he never fit in with us anyway. Like, you know, when I, when I told him and he just laughed and, and my parents, so they still, you know, they text my, you know, my, my, um, they text my ex and, and check in with him and things like that. So it, it's a good relationship. And when I see, you know, those are my, those are my child's grandparents. When I see his parents at, at the house or something like that. So there's still that cordial, you know, connection there. Right, but my right. mother said two things to me. One, you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. And two, no one's going to understand what you went through. Mm. And I appreciate that. My mother said that to me. And she and when she and when she made the comment about you don't have to explain yourself to anybody, she said, me, your dad, your sister, nobody. Don't right. ever feel you have to explain. And that was so helpful, Mario, because it allowed I, I don't know if she realized when she what what led her to say that, but for me, it gave me the space to tell her things throughout the years. Right. You know, right. throughout that right. time and, and, and that. And I had shared some things with her earlier. And the way I told my mom, I was like, hey, I need to get a new bed for Catherine. And she's like, a new bed? Like, did we just get her one? I was like, yeah, I got an apartment. And she was like, oh, so you're going to do this. And I, I had briefly kind of shared with her, this is what I was thinking you know, before I asked for the divorce. So, so she wasn't that surprised when I said, right. you know, yes, this is what's going on. But I'll never forget that. And people that I know that are going through the divorce process or thinking about the process, I always tell them, that's what my mama said to me. And that is what you need to keep in your head. Every time yeah. you want to open up your mouth and feel you need to explain something yeah. or share something. And I know I have this podcast. But I don't do it to explain myself. I right. don't do it to, you, to right. tell my, my business. I do it to help others yes. go through the process. Yeah, because I could see very easily how you would dig yourself a hole trying to explain. Because uh, I find myself in these situations as well. And your mother's absolutely right. No one's going to understand your situation because it's unique. It's yours. There's only one of you on this planet. And the two of you unique individuals came together and had something. So yeah. you can't really articulate in a way that people actually understand and appreciate what your experience was. I know Ooh, I, people... like I need to write that down. You cannot <laughs> articulate. That is so true. You, you, you can't. In any experience that we have in life, right? Right. right. You know, the, the feeling of getting married, the feeling when you have a child, when you right. get a job, you know, it's, it's hard to articulate that feeling. So it's almost right. like, you know, and, and we think that we can do it through social media. We think no. that we can do it through those things. No, you're still not because sometimes a visual hides what's really going on, good or bad. Right, right, right. So I, I totally relate to you on that. Now, going back to that time, and we're going to move on from this, this point, but I, I want to know, were there, were there instances where you were second guessing yourself, kind of knowing that this is what I need to be doing, but there's something that was kind of pulling you away from that and got you into a different space that when you look back, you said, I knew I should have been doing that, that first thing I thought about. Talking about with the divorce process? Yeah, so even just healing after the divorce. Oh, so second guess, did I ever second guess myself? Yeah, like, should I, you know, make this amicable? Should I try um, to be, you know, more conciliatory? Or do I just keep myself first? And, you know, if anything doesn't fit into that paradigm, it's a no-go. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, and this is where it comes down to where my mother says you don't need to, no one can understand or articulate. Because he, my ex-husband, and I, we talked about the problems and the challenges and things like that. And it just, you can come to resolution per se. You know, do we go to counseling? No. 
you know, do, do we do this? No. Or we, we talked about it, um, but nothing was still getting done. And the only thing that I second guess or wish I would have done is I wish I would have done individual counseling when I was married, mm-hmm. even though he didn't want to go to couples counseling. So I know that moving forward, I still think the outcome would have been the same, but the healing I had to do after um, has taken much longer than I expected. Right. And so had I done that, I still would have gone to counseling after the divorce, but I would, I think I would have been at a better place exiting yeah. out of, of my marriage. And um, because I always say the marriage does not bring out the best of me. And I was not authentically me because right. I did not share my dreams and goals with my, with my ex-husband. I didn't think I, I did, but when they came out and when they started presenting, that became a bit of a challenge. Right. And, and we were now on the same page with some of the things that I was doing and what he was doing, what, what we wanted out of life. And then second guessing, finally going to get um, there. I mean, there are times I think any, anybody divorced who has a child, when you, um, when you see some things that your child has to go through, I, I would think that sometimes the times that I might think about my choice and like, oh, okay. I remember one time breaking down um, during the whole virtual when COVID hit and like everything that morning just did not work out. My parents had come over to help and over like literally spilled milk and I'm crying and I tell my mom. I can't, you know, this is when I regret my choice of how maybe I should have done this or done that. And, and I wouldn't be in a situation where I'm having to figure out where, how I'm going to get my car fixed. And my, right. my child is struggling right now with virtual learning between two households in this pandemic. Right. I was, it was just not, so that was like, sometimes I, I have moments, right. you know, like that, but thank goodness to a good therapist <laughs> and, and, and coping mechanisms. I can, you know, work my way through that. But, but yeah, I would say sometimes with, with my child and when she expresses her feelings, you know, about the co-parenting mm-hmm. and the divorce process, I feel for her, but I definitely know that I made the right choice. And yeah. he has said, and we have talked to her together and we definitely know that we made the, we made the right choice. Yeah. I think it's kind of challenging for her sometimes because we get along and sometimes we gang up on her. <laughs> we're like we're both on her i think right. maybe we're at each other's throats you know she might be okay but she can't pick sides you yeah. know really well, in this she loves us both equally in this in this mess right but i think you know that's part of the cognitive dissonance that people experience oh, yeah. when they go through divorce because we we get fed all of these stereotypes and images about what it means to be a divorced couple. So I'm, I'm just going, you know, run run them down as, as they flow, come into my head. Like the first one is War of the Roses, right? Like yeah. if you ever seen that movie, it's like fight to the end, right? And they literally fought to the end. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can actually still have a good relationship. And I'm not talking about an intimate relationship or sexual when I'm talking about intimacy, right. but you can still be friends. And it was the one thing, the one hope that I always wished for my ex and I was that we would build the friendship that we didn't have to found our marriage on, right? Because mm-hmm. I thought that was the problem. I was like, you know, we don't, we didn't spend enough time getting to know each other and who we were. And we didn't develop a friendship before we became lovers and, and married. Same here. So, you know, we, we, we basically don't have a foundation to build this marriage upon um, so we were constantly trying to psychologically make each, o- each other over into the spouse of our dreams. And I, I don't, I'm not sure that my audience, depending on who's listening, knows that much about me. But when I tell you I'm a certain way, it's set in stone. I'm not trying to change that, right? I'm, I'm past that age <laughs> yeah. of like, 
these are behaviors that I want to work on changing if they're not like detrimental to my immediate health and safety. Right. right? Otherwise, there are things that like, yeah, I know this is not cool. This is not what I should be doing, but this is who I am and this is how I operate. And I think in a relationship, especially in marriage, you can learn how yes. to behave differently, but you can't do it while someone is trying to push you or to manipulate you in a way that you feel like who you are at your core is somehow insufficient. Being compromised. Yes. Cause it's all about communication. Right. And it's right. where sometimes we don't learn that or, and so instead of the, the other C, instead of using that C of communication, we use the other C of compromise. Right. It's okay. I'm going to let that go. You know, cause I'm not perfect. He's not perfect. You know, right. this person's not perfect, but it's going to be okay. Right. And sometimes it's not, it's, it, not. it's not. I totally get that. Yeah. Sometimes things just don't complement each other. We, we learned this in geometry. You know, you, you got a certain amount of degrees you got to add up for them to be in sync. Yes. Right. But it doesn't mean that those two separate entities alone are somehow incomplete or insufficient. Um, so yeah. Right. I, I was just going to just add, you said something about friendships and um, and that takes time because even though we are friendly, I mean, I know I get on his nerves and sometimes he gets on my nerves um, <laughs> with, with certain things, but, um, but it, it does take time, you know, to, yeah. to build that. I've, um, I've talked to um, people who've gone through the divorce process and it didn't happen at the beginning, but now it, now it has. I was just recently talking to somebody and he was saying, you know, about you know, my, my co-parent, I was like, no, you and your ex, y'all have a definitely different situation than what I had. But now he and his ex-wife, you know, chat more, their kids are older. And so they have grandkids and they actually talk more frequently, you know, the past couple of years. And so, but that's in the end, whether it happens at the beginning of the divorce process or a little bit later, you do want to have some type of amicable amicable relationship, cordial relationship with your, you know, with, with your, with your ex, especially if you had kids. Right, right. And you want it, you want the best for them. You want, I know for me, what I just wanted to know was he was doing okay. He was still doing progressing in his career, you know, wanted to know when when it, you know, I thought the man was brilliant. At, at any moment I'm expecting to turn on the TV and see him on CNN talking about something oh. related to critical race theory. <laughs> but I just wanted to be that in that particular aspect, right? We didn't have to text every day or call each other. We didn't have to spend holidays together, but just, you know, to know that you're doing okay and that things are still working out very well for you. But like you said, that may take time, right? You know, it may not necessarily happen in the beginning or the initial phases, but over time, when you have that space for individual growth, and that was one of our hugest problems, we just did not have enough space within our marriage for individual growth. We all wanted each other to come to a certain point but nobody had the space to do the work. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about after going through this process, what's changed in you, your, your core beliefs, your values? What, what, how are you a different K now? You know, um, I'm still, let's see, my core beliefs and values from that change. So that, that's still the same. Uh, and I still believe in love. And um, I'm not a hopeless romantic, but I'm a romantic at heart. So some people come out of a, a, of a marriage bitter and frustrated and, and things like that. And, and I, I didn't, um, you know, I, but I recognize, I read Chandra Rhyme's book, The Book of Yes. And I realized that I had not, like someone made that comment, I had not shared who I was and getting to the root. And actually, when I started therapy, um, I didn't start right away. I basically let my body almost break down. I, I ran, I hid, I put all my all in work. 
and um, and just everything I'm doing. I'm a researcher. I was working on, and my research is based in Italy. So I'm I'm in this you know this research kind of three four year goal, and and going traveling back and forth to Italy, teaching this class for my college, and I just put my all in that. For this is all before the pandemic. And literally, I was on my way back from, but I was breaking down. This is when I was going through my separation agreement. So everyone think, was thinking I'm okay, and I'm thinking I'm okay. Right. But, um, but I was breaking down inside. And it was, it took me being in Italy and like literally crying at the airport when I'm flying back because I'd been just, it was the last part of my research journey. And I knew that I couldn't hide anymore. Um, of what was kind of going on. And so I'm like literally crying in the, in the airport in Napoli to my friend, my colleague. And he's like, it's going to be okay. Like he knew what I was going through. He's right. like, it's going to be okay when you get back. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> Calling my mother getting ready for it was Easter Sunday. And she's like, is your flight leaving? I'm like crying to her. And she's like, what's going on? Because I had just seen everybody a month ago at my, um, at a family function. And I was acting like everything was great. We're going on a summer, you know, everything was fine. And that I actually had the separation hearing that day. Didn't even tell anybody, you know, that this also, these things were going on. And so um, therapy helped me because what ended up happening when I came back, I still didn't learn my lesson. I, I, I fly to Germany and I'm crying again, call my cousin. I'm like, I need to see somebody. She's like, let me see your link. It took about four months later, several migraines and just stressing out. And my doctor saying, you got to do something that led me to finally look for. So don't do that. <laughs> Whoever's listening, don't do that. Don't let something, um, don't let yourself have basically a breakdown to where you need. But I was so close, so, so close to yeah. really a mental breakdown. I mean, just my body, when my body, when I started having migraines for two weeks, I knew what the cause was. Yeah. And so yeah. once I saw my therapist, the first thing we started working on was who is Kay? That's not a wife. That's not this professor. That's not a mom. And it took a year of just going through that and assignments from my therapist of doing things I like to do and finding those things and not spending money. Nothing tied to what was pulling me in. And so because of that, the things I do now are just things that, you know, in your in our professional lives, people only know us through work and through that. But, right. you know, in the words of my mother this summer, she said to me, there is my daughter who I know, the goal driven the smiles, the things like that, you know, that that's who I am. And so it's right. good to be back at that place right. of I always smiled in pictures and I always did this. I, I stopped doing that wow. in, in, in my marriage. I stopped taking pictures. I, there we don't because my ex did. He didn't like pictures or anything like that. We have no family photos. Oh, wow. Um, after our daughter was the baby, like pictures of her, but nothing of us together. together. Um, and so getting just doing those things because socially I was kind of cut off. I'm an introvert, but an extrovert. My ex wasn't, was an introvert. There are little things he likes to do when you talk about hopefully you, the space. So it's, it was just things like that. And, um, and so just coming, coming back to that. And there's, is nothing a dig against him or anything like that. That's the person that he was. And I didn't realize that I compromised and put who I am um, aside and I'll never do that. Yeah. in another in another relationship and yeah. so that's one of the things of like who is k now is just being authentically me and i think that when people talk about what is so good about divorce when you lose yourself you know and it could be there you know in this case we're talking about divorce but people can lose themselves in um and we're talking about losing some of the marriage but people can lose themselves in a job you yeah. can lose yourself in a friendship, mm -hmm. you know, but in this particular case, I lost myself in a marriage and divorce helped me find myself again. 
Yeah. And that's just, and a lot of people don't like to hear that, Mario. They don't, they don't like that. Like you can find yourself in a marriage. What does that mean? Right. That's you. That's okay. Right. I'll never forget a family member telling me that's UK. That's what you want to do. That's what you like to do. So embrace that. And yeah. so embrace what, however, whoever you are, that's what you have to do. Be authentically you and don't apologize for that. Unless you're hurting someone's right. feelings, you're not being ethical. Right, right. And again, you know, we're, we're not telling, we're not suggesting here, folks, that, you know, you just go out and be an asshole uh, just because you're in a marriage to your spouse, you know, but yeah. I think that was the, the biggest issue for me. I just felt like I was in a relationship where I had to be someone else's version of myself mm. in order to get, you know, the warm fuzzies for being, you know, a great husband, right? You know, if I expressed anger or if I didn't show enough affection, then I was somehow pathologized into this person who was, you know, difficult to deal with or, or hard to live with or, you know, isolated or offstanding and, and, and not showing me your vulnerable parts. Well, you know, vulnerability is a, is a hard thing for me. I still don't quite know what it means. <laughs> this is one of my okay, therapy. Everybody. This is one of my therapeutic conversations like. When you guys can define clearly what it means to me, I might be able to understand how it, it, to demonstrate it. But every time I think I know the answer, I come back to like, I don't understand, like, why is doing this thing that's called vulnerability so important and so mm -hmm. helpful, right? I just want to be me. I'm just going to show you who I am and this is what I got. I got to be vulnerable now too. Like, it was just too much for me to handle at that stage. Because that is a new life. buzzword today, right? Vulnerability right. And, and boundaries. Right. And thank, we've thank probably been doing well. it for a long time. Yeah. You know, I'm fine with coming and sharing some of the stuff, you know, the things that I'm thinking about that are eating at me or mm -hmm. the horrible conversation I had with my supervisor or the coworker I had to tell off before I left the office. Like, yeah, I'm good with that. But <clears throat> I'm not the guy that's going to, you know, write in my diary and then show it to you so you can read it right like it's, i'm not that this, dude <laughs> this is what i've what i've learned about, about vulnerability or what that means and what that looks like it's finding someone that you can talk to and that is um so my research on social capital and social networks is about reciprocity i fully believe in reciprocity people don't like it what i do some of you you do some for me that is just human nature right that is what we you know even going even going back to like scripture, if you look at it, you know, Jesus was, you know, I hate to go a little biblical here, but you know, it, it, there's scripture related to connection and well, resources. It's a commandment for reciprocity, right? And exactly. I I. <laughs> yes, exactly. So there, it, it, there, you can find it in different ways. Now, of course, people can take it differently. I always tell my, my students in my class, some, the best networks don't always look great, like mafia, gangs, things like that. Those are networks. Those are connections that people make. There are resources that people use. So, you know, even bad things that we look at, but the whole point of reciprocity, to me, that's how I, how I look at vulnerability. Right. Um, because you, I am sharing something with you. And for, in this instance, in a relationship, I am expecting you to give me that space, you know, to yeah. be that and you listen and, and there's this conversation and it looks different for everybody. But for me, that's what it means to be vulnerable. And that's what leads me to be this person that will share. And I do expect that back. And then I want to right. be able to give that to that person too, right. creating that safe space, creating that place where you can come and share those things to me. And I'm going to reciprocate by giving you that place of that. That's how I look at vulnerability. And right. I think we've been doing it for a long time. 
That's why some couples have been married for a long time, but it's, but it's hard because it basically means I'm going to share some things with you right. and I'm going to hope that you can receive and give it back to me. Yeah. And I think the challenge for us was matching the level and intensity, right? right. Because I'm, I'm not the one that has those, you know, big things that I need to drop on you. Like I, I, I'm, I'm a thinker. So it's in my head until I figure it out. Now, once I got it solved, that's what I'm going to lay it all out for you. Look, this is what happened. This is what I think. This is what I'm going to do, right? So in that sense, yes. But for my spouse, my ex-spouse, it was more of like, it had to be a complete match. Like mm-hmm. you tell me your deepest, darkest secret, I'll tell you mine. Like you cry on the floor for 15 minutes and then I'll take, take over and do the next 15. Like that just didn't work for me. No, and this is what I've learned um, in this dating after divorce is being able to say, I accept what you've shared with me. And that's it. Yep. And also, and for me, who was a talker, storyteller and wanting to give it back and like, so sometimes it's not the right time for us to process. I've also learned to say, how do you want me to receive this information? Right. You know, what, what do you want me to do with this? And I've had a guy say, I just want you to listen. I just want yeah. you, I'm just sharing this. Okay. Then I, then I know that, or he'll, I, had, I was involved with this guy and he would say to me, you know, I just want you to listen to me. I want you to just not respond back, just process what I'm sharing with you, blah, blah, blah. I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate that because sometimes we think we need to be quick to respond and, and show the person that we're listening. But it also takes saying, and I would like to say that I figured that on my own, but I was actually listening in a clubhouse room on relationships. And I heard that being shared. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. You got to find the right person to do right. that with. Right. But when you do, it kind of, all the pieces come alive. Yeah. Now you have jumped into a couple of questions that I already had to ask, wanted to ask you, but I want to kind of go back to something that you just okay. brought up, which is the dating. So what is this whole dating game like for you now? Now, just to remind us again, like how long were you not dating compared to, you know, in, in, in context of being married and now you're back in the dating scene, this dating scene? Oh, these dating streets, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they are not rough. kind. <laughs> they are not kind. You know, it's, oh goodness. So I was dating up until, um, until I got married and we, we didn't date long enough. Um, you know, we dated for a year and then not almost a year, 11 months. And then we were engaged. So probably about right at, maybe right out our year. And I was like 30, 31, but, um, I've never had an issue with dating or meeting men or attracting men, um, and, and going out. That's never been a challenge for me. So when I exited out of my marriage, it really wasn't to find someone better than him. It was more like about me. I was just want to be at a place where I could feel comfortable doing the things I want to do in my job. And also do things I want to do personally, travel, play golf, and, and go out in the city of Columbia and just ex- explore and experience things that my ex didn't really was excited about doing right. um, at, at all. Even professional-wise, like, hey, come to me with this event. I was this senior-level administrator and, this, and then met professor. And you, get, you bring your, your spouse, your significant other, and he wouldn't want to go or just those things. So it was like, it was basically that. Um, so it wasn't to find someone um, when I exit out. It was just like, let me just be me. And then I'm going to date. So full disclosure, and I've shared this before my podcast, I didn't think I was going to have any issues with dating. I, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be in a relationship in about a year or two. This is going to be easy. I'm going to meet a man that wants to do all these things that my ex-husband didn't want to do. Like, that was my mentality. I knew I was going to meet someone that I am still single. <laughs> I am not in any relationship, have never really been in a relationship since being divorced now almost 
I, I always count back separation. So in the state of South Carolina, you have to be separated for a year before your divorce is finalized. So our divorce was finalized in 2019. Okay. So I'm going into my third year being divorced. But I always like to say four years because it right. started really in 2018. Right. And um, if you're out there dating, especially if you're separated, just make, and you're using dating profiles, you're meeting people, make sure you let people know that you're separated. Give that person a choice. I, that's my biggest thing. You know, I did um, because you're still legally married and you need someone to know um, because you, I wasn't going back, but you know, some people do, they're separated, figure things out. And especially if you separate and you're still living in the same house, the same domicile. you haven't Absolutely. filed any, yeah, you haven't filed anything or anything like that. So dating has been interesting because I had to learn me and I had to, in the healing and the things like that. And so you do need to give yourself time. And looking back, I'm so, I was just sharing this with friends. I'm so glad I wasn't in a relationship like that where, I mean, sometimes you hear the story where you're, what you think you're supposed to be doing. You divorce, six months later, you start dating somebody. And then a year or two, you're engaged. I mean, you, we, we all know people like that. Much power to them. You know, my ex has remarried and his new wife is a great bonus mom to my daughter. And she has a daughter and, and they have this great, you know, you know, they have a blended family and, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, it, it is what it is, but, um, and that's, that's good for him. But for me, I'm not in a rush to get married again, but I do want to find someone I can date for a long time. I am, and I make it very clear. And actually to be, to be full disclosure, Mario, this is the first year I can say I'm ready to date. Those other times when I was on the dating apps and stuff like that, I was not putting it out there. I just want to meet people, talk, chit chat. So I did everything from just I just want to be in the app to talk because you have to learn how to introduce yourself to someone who's going to want to talk to me, who's going to want to see me naked again, you know, all that <laughs> intimacy. I mean, all yeah, that stuff, fine. right? It's all fine. the things that, and this is why I talk about my podcast that people don't want to talk about. Like now people are kind of saying some things about it, but how to go through those stages and then, um, and be careful about what you pray for because things I prayed for, I got, you know, I got a situationship. I got, uh, you know, if you, if you're only looking for one thing, I just want to have a good time and have fun and that comes your way, take it for what you prayed for. You know, exactly. then, you know, I, then last year I said, Lord, I just want, you know, someone who accepts me and this intellectual nerd I am and my ideas. And I met a wonderful man that is, you know, a good friend of mine. And for, we've known each other for, I guess, about a year and just really just fed and make me feel comfortable with who I am. Then I also said, you know, God, it'd be nice just to have a guy friend. It's one I can hang out with. And I met this guy probably about during the pandemic on a dating app, and he and I are still good friends. We're actually hanging out this Saturday. His kids are my uh, are my daughter's age, and we. I mean, every every divorced person needs some div other divorced person. You can bounce ideas off of dating and kids and things like that. And that's what he's become. He lives about an hour from me, and we've become really good friends. We went on a couple of dates, and but it just we quickly realized that we were just friends like it was there was chemistry but it was more like a I think you're cool type chemistry right right you have to be willing to accept that too and that sometimes is you gotta be mature enough for that yes you do that everybody that you and on this side of 40 and on this side of dating after divorce everybody you meet is probably not the person you want to be in a relationship Amen. right away that's just real right and if you go in and you think that you're going to set yourself up for heartbreak and failure hopefully when my 
you know, I can't, my therapist, like, oh, you have learned, you know, Yoda, <laughs> you know, she was like, you have learned young, young Jedi this. I mean, that is my biggest lesson. And I kind of knew that, but when you're still wanting somebody, and I probably started to realize that I want to say right around um, 20, like fall of 2020, going to 2021, that the men I was going to be meeting because I was not ready. We're really just maybe for a time or a season. Yes, 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 yes. Now I, I'm going to go full disclaimer for whoever is listening today, whatever your spiritual identity or how you are consider yourself to be religious. I'm going to tell you this. My testimony is if you ask the universe for what you want, it will come to you. So you better be it careful. Will. And you better choose your words judiciously yes. <laughs> because I'm telling you, I've asked for things and they have come to me not even days after I asked for it. But I did what, what you avoided doing. I divorced and six months later, I don't even know, I take it back. It wasn't even six months later. It might've been a few weeks after the finalized divorce. I was in a relationship. Well, I didn't know, I, was, I didn't know what I was in. It was a situationship that lasted for like six months. And when it ended, I was just equally as confused as how it started. But <laughs> it really was, it was the gift and the curse, to be quite honest mm -hmm. with you. It was painful to end it because I was with someone that I really enjoyed spending time with. I've been there. Yes. A beautiful soul, handsome, kind. I mean, just everything that you could think of. But not emotionally developed enough to say what he wanted, which was, I think at this point in retrospect was just a companion. And that would have been fine for me at that point. I wasn't looking to get hitched up, you know, again, what? I just, I'm, I just got my papers, I'm free. <laughs> you know, I wasn't looking for this, but it was a little confusing to me because I never knew where this person stood in the way that they felt about me. I don't oh, know if he was man. interested in something long-term or not. Could never figure out why he was hanging out with me, given based on his looks. And I know this is not right, you know, the, the right. I've, I've been there though, right? It's too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is going on here? And every time I would try to bring up the conversation, I could see him squirming around a little bit. So pay attention to the red flags, folks, especially after going through something as dramatic and tremendous and life-altering as a divorce. You do need to give yourself some time to pull it together. In retrospect, I wish I would not have gotten in that relationship, but I'm also thankful for it because now I know in some respects how I appear to other people when I'm not engaged the way that they are. Here's something that a friend shared with me that, um, that I've thought about, and I would give definitely, it's a piece of advice I give people about dating after divorce and what it can look like. And she's not married and she's, she's never been married. She, she wants to be married. She's you know young. And so she made a comment to me and she said, you know what it's like to have someone be intentional about their actions and feelings towards you. So think about that when you're going through the divorce process. And, it, you know, when you were talking about you never knew what the person stood with you, you know, and things like that. So when those things come up and, if, and you bring them up and there is, it's kind of like vague and things like that, right. that's that yellow, that's that red flag. Because when you've been married, however that proposal went down, that dating you know what it's like when someone expressed interest yeah. in you, yeah. when the feelings are mutual, you know, when that person's taking the lead and showing and you share it, you know what that's like. And that's how it's supposed to be. Exactly. It should not be anything different just because, you know, make, because divorce is just an action. 
It is not, sorry, the light's coming in. Divorce is just an action. It's not a pronoun. It's right. not a noun. Right. It's not even an adjective to describe you. And right. so don't let that action that you chose describe how you should be, your worth and how you should be pursued right. and things like that. And that's yeah. like my takeaway after, you know, some of the dates and things I went on last year and going into this year of like, yeah, when she started sharing that with me, I'm like, even though the outcome wasn't, you know, what we wanted, right? You know, your divorce, but you know what it's like. Yeah. You know what it's like. And yeah. that's how it should be yeah. this time around. I'm grateful for it because I think it provided me with enough insight to build my compassion muscle as I think about trying to hitch up with another person. Like you, I have been thinking about dating lately. I'm still not ready because I just enjoy being single. You know, I like doing whatever the hell I want to do when I want to do it. Yeah, there's some I good things about it. I never enjoyed the what's, what do you want for dinner? What do you want for eat dance? What do you want for dinner? What do you want for dinner? What do you want? You're for in dinner? your space. Right. Yeah. Or where do you want to go? What, what are you in the mood for? Should we get Chinese? Should we get time? You know, that drove me nuts. That on a daily <laughs> basis, that I felt like I was in hell. Like I was doing the same thing over and over again with no different outcome. Oh. Um, but it's something that you do just have to keep in mind as you're, you're going through this process. You, you, you got to get yourself in order to be able to give and receive, right? Yes. And if you can't have that reciprocity on some level, you're going to have some challenges. So you might as well just excuse yourself until you've got it worked out. Yeah. And here's something to be said, you know, with dating and every, you know, you need to have, you know, someone that you definitely bounce ideas off of. You know, so who's on your, um, I had a guest on my, sh on my show recently on the podcast a couple months ago, and she talked about who's on your front row, who is on your front row, what does that look like, you know, who's on your couch, things like that, and, and that's key, because you need someone that's going to talk you off the ledge, going to send that crazy text message, calling somebody, right. you're not doing a drive-by, you know, that can give you that reality check. I wouldn't necessarily, I've needed someone for that, but you know, sometimes I want to send a text, I'm like, okay, let me, let me call on my girlfriends, or let me do this. And then also realizing, I think, also what may drive you for, with some habits when it comes to wanting to be with someone and can you be comfortable by yourself? And I'm with you, Mario. I'm very comfortable, you know, by myself. That song by, um, what's her name, Janaya Koa, like, by myself. Sometimes I was playing it this morning. Occasionally, I mean, I want the partner and all that, but I do like my space, you mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, by myself, what that looks like. Did you have siblings? But, Did you grow up as mm -hmm. an only child? Did you grow up as an only child? No, I have an older sister. She's um, about six years older than me. So we have that, you know, pretty big age difference yeah. where she, you know, and, and, and what that looks like. But I would definitely say, you know, having, you know, having like a, a community or a group and what that looks like. I had, and the reason why I shared that is because several years ago, um, probably about 2018, I had a good friend, my friend in, in Italy made a comment to me. And he said, you need to find two things because you need to find someone who is just as curious about you as you are about them. And that always. Yes. And so when you find that person, that's what drew me to this person last year. Yes. He was just as curious. It's such, it's such a different feeling. Yes. So that's what you and it was so interesting that he picked that out in me. He said, hey, this is what you need to find. The other thing he said to me that took a while, he's like go out and do these things. So over, you know, in, in Italy, he loves museums and all that. And so he's like, uh, he's never going to give up finding somebody. Now he is, he is in a relationship with somebody, but at the time, you know, he would share that this is why I go to museums. He's a professor. So he's like, this is why I do this and all that. Because his whole philosophy was, if I'm out there doing these things, I'm going to find somebody. Right. Nobody's going to see you at home. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. You're not going to find him at home. And, and you may not even find him on the dating app. 
And so it does take going out there for that. And so, you know, when people say, do you think you're going to be in a relationship, all that? I live by the philosophy of if I am out there doing the things that I love from going to the grocery store, even playing golf, just at brunch with, with girlfriends. My girlfriend met some guy and they've been, they've been dating for the last six months. She met him last summer when we were at this woman's empowerment event. Yeah. And we all left to go meet up later. And she met him while trying to get money in the meter. And, you know, and they have this exchange, like the right. randomest yeah. moment and just had this vibe and they've been dating since then. So you never know where you're going to meet somebody. Yeah. Show up. And I think that is one of the benefits of not having any expectations, which I can do when I'm single, right? You, you don't have this expectation that person B, your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, there's a whole list of stuff. I was listening to something today about all these different yeah. types of polyamory. So I, I know the list goes on. Um, but when, when you have just the ability to stay in that interaction without any expectations, it's a wonderful feeling for you to be able to, to have a great conversation and walk away with it, not having to exchange numbers or contact information. And then, you know, lo and behold, you may encounter that person again and pick up where you left off. So I, I like the serendipity, I guess, of being yes. single. I could tell you stories of, of moments like that from I, one, one guy I end up going out with and hanging out with about, I guess, a year in 2020, I would see him at these events. We never exchanged. You know, I actually didn't even think he saw me or <laughs> have any conversation with me. And then three months later, I get back on the dating apps and he swipes for me. I'm like, hey, you know, I, we've seen each other at these events. He goes, yeah, I know who you are. And so you just, <laughs> you just never know. I met someone in a grocery store last summer, just random in an aisle. And here's a tip for all you single people. You go grocery shopping at night. That's typically when you see the, the single people. If you're going on a Saturday morning, when you see that man, more than likely he's out and he has a list, some wife or some significant other has sent him out right. to go grocery shopping. And, you know, so I hate to say it, but usually any man out grocery shopping or any woman, you know, that, that they have a family, there's usually something, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's right. something else, you know, out there. That's just yeah. my, my observation. So if you're really wanting, you know, a little bit of a different atmosphere and you don't want to go to a bar, hit the grocery store on a right. Thursday, Friday, during the work hour, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and just follow follow that person with that rotisserie <laughs> chicken. No, usually they have a bag. They, they, got, like five items. The chicken, right? yeah. <laughs> they, they got the basket. Okay, so the single person will have the basket, right? Just take a look and see what they got up in there. And then, or they got the stuff in their hand because right. they typically are not going to be pushed around a big basket unless right. they're doing some big grocery order. Right. That's who you follow or go to the, look and see down the, the wine and beer aisle. You know, they're going to be grabbing some milk. Right. I'm telling you, I've met two people in the grocery store in the evenings. And the first time I noticed it, Mario, I was in there with my daughter. It was probably like about 7, 30, 8 o'clock. This is like 2019. And I looked at her. Well, I didn't look at her. You know, I was like, and I, I, I looked at her and I thought, I need to go grocery shopping when you're not with me because I've seen all kinds of people up in this public store right. that I don't see. And when I tell you, like I have, and I shared this with my, remember I told you my, my guy friend who I met, um, who's now my good friend, I call him divorce dad. And it's so funny because he'll call me in public. So he'll say, Oh, I met this woman. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and talk to her and things like that, you know, and it, it's just like, you would be surprised. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's yeah. my dating yeah. tip. There so, you so go. There you have it, folks. If you're looking for a dating tip, the local Publix or a grocery store, after work hours, look for the single person with the little hand cart or carrying groceries around in their arms because mm-hmm. that's the one you need to be. We're talking about respectful stalking here. Respectful yes, respectful stalking. stalking. <laughs> Just walk up as they're looking at the meals and the frozen food aisle. You may not even eat those meals. It's okay. Or they're looking at the in Kroger's or, you know, the aisle that has the already prepared meals. Yes, yes. They say, what do you think is good? That's exactly how this guy. Approached exactly, me. exactly. He said, exactly. what do you think is good? And I was like, I don't know. I'm getting a conversation now. What happened? Well, he was separated and um, and going through the process and actually still living with his, you know, with his with his wife and things like that. And we're just, you know, just casual acquaintances, chit chat, things like that, because he's still going through the process. So I can't invest in in that, you know, because I'm at a different place than than he is. Yeah. But the conversation and the approach and all that, it was fun. It was yeah. lighthearted. Yeah. And it was it. a good way to just enjoy time alone too. Just people watch, you know, until <laughs> you can't do it anymore. Yes. Okay, you know, we could talk all day long. We could. <laughs> but I know our listeners are, are probably at that point where they need a little bit of a break. So we're coming down on the last few questions. And you've been such an amazing host. You've already asked que- you. answered questions that I, I, I prepared to ask you. But I want, want to talk about kind of just kind of nuts and bolts stuff, tools that you might recommend for helping somebody who wants, who's going through this process. Like, what would you throw out to them? So, of course, I got to put a plug in for my organization, The Divorce Connection. So visit our site, thedivorceconnection.org. And the reason, even though it has information based in South Carolina, hopefully when you look at some of the resources, it will have you seek resources that may be available in your own state. Every state offers free legal assistance. So there's typically some legal clinic where you can get the basic steps of what you need to do in your state. Even if you do... um, have an attorney or you looking for an attorney, I strongly believe that you need to understand the process and know what's going to be filed. What does it look like? Do not depend on anybody else to really kind of tell you what this, what divorce is going to be in your state. Right. You know, whether you DM me or someone else, you ask them, everyone's experience is different. So you want to make sure you do your research. The other, um, and also on our website, we have mediation and mental health. You want to build your team. Um, there's a checklist on there about getting your finances together, creating right. a budget. You, you know, even though I shared that I was financially able to leave my marriage, I wish I would have thought about creating a budget and what that was going to look like. You know, I was just like, I get paid. I make money. It's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, thinking about yeah. those things and putting those pieces in place, because that has probably been my, my biggest challenge is just working. My, the budget always changes. I don't get child support because we split expenses 50-50. So literally, you know, the things of just food and grocery and things like that, um, just just really didn't think about that and what that was going to be, you know, years to come. If you have a child, make sure you have like a parenting plan and seek those resources. Yeah. And then we have a YouTube channel where I share divorce tips and videos and and um, all of our events are free. And, and right now they're all virtual. So anyone can join and listen in to get some information to kind of help them navigate the process. But um, you know, just really understanding the legal side. If you have a child, if you have a child, or you have children wanting to get an idea of what that's going to look like. The checklist I have on our site kind of helps you navigate all the documents you need together. You know, looking at property, things like that, what that's going to look like. And we'll make sure that we get all of these resources listed in the episode description that comes along with this this podcast. 
Now, before I close this out, there's a fun little game that I like to play with my interview guests that I call Rapid Fire Questions. So I've got three questions for you today. Um, they're easy, super easy questions, so don't freak out. <laughs> okay. But I want you to just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. So first question, favorite toy from childhood? My red bicycle. Red bicycle. Was it one of those, um, the one with the little streamers? Mm -hmm, like the, the red flyer? It wasn't a red flyer, but yeah, it was a tricycle like thing. Ah, yeah. The big red ones that made out of that hard aluminum that if it hit you, it was going to like scuff up yes. your knee or something. Exactly. Okay. I remember those. All right. What about favorite boy band group from the 90s? Oh, New Edition. They weren't the 90s though. I can't think of a... They were kind of... They were kind of in the like 90s. 80s, they were 90s. 80s, but... Yeah. Oh, Boys to Men. Boys to um, Men. They were very popular because I was in high school in the 90s. So yeah, Boys to Men. For some reason, Silk jump, jumps into my mind. Yes, all the, yeah, all those came <laughs> out. Yep, yep. I think I was listening to a playlist with them on it before. All right, last one. Favorite childhood breakfast cereal. I didn't eat breakfast as a child. Oh, I didn't, we'd eat cereal as a, my dad always made pancakes and bacon and all Ooh. this food. I didn't start eating cereal till maybe when I got to college. I mean, I'm trying to think, did I, 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 we might've had cereal in the house, maybe in high school. I don't, I don't recall eating it like that. Occasionally we had Apple Jacks. I think we could eat on a Saturday. I remember having Apple Jacks in the house. I remember Frosted Flakes. Mm -hmm. We were military. And so we go uh, to the commissary. Okay. Um, I kind of remember stuff like that, but I, when I think of my childhood breakfast, I just think of pieces of ham, pancake, the breakfast, my father, like very rarely did we ever eat, you know, like cereal. And I, you know, I think you'd probably be hard pressed to find a kid that eats like that now for breakfast. Cause my grandmother used to make breakfast that way. Homemade I, biscuits, salmon croquettes, eggs, sausage. Yes. My father would do stuff like that. And you better finish Ooh. that plate before that bus came too. I remember Man. like every time I see He-Man or She-Ra, I swear I smell pancakes. <laughs> I smell <laughs> bacon. Like it's just, when it came when it was on Netflix and my child was watching it, I was like, oh my God, why do I smell like syrup? And like, because <laughs> I just remember having that on the TV and trying to eat my breakfast by the time the bus came. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of breakfast to try to get through uh, in a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, milk. I, now you're making me hungry. All right. Well, one more question for you. Well, actually two more. Um, I want to know one important lesson that you've learned about yourself. And since we're in a new year, let's just say over the past year, what, what have you, what has Kay come to discover about herself that she's taking forward with her, um, you know, this year and the next? Um, you know, I always knew I was resilient. And um, I think the biggest lesson is it's okay to be me and who I am and knowing how to share me with others, whether it's people I work with, um, you, know, um, you know, someone I meet to date, my friends, but it's okay to share me, you know, with others and be comfortable in who I am. And, um, and that's, that's the biggest thing and be unapologetically about it. I right. like to travel. I like to do this, do that, you know, just kind of like, well, what? Yeah. No, it's, it, it's okay. And that I also learn that sometimes I have a tendency to do this in my own way is kind of sharing too much and telling too much and telling people what I'm doing and I'm working harder on, you're not going to know what I'm doing. You're not going to know what's going on. And, uh, and I used to be that way in my, in my twenties and my early thirties. And, and it's just, it's not a protection thing. I, I can't describe it, but it's more so protecting my peace and my focus. Exactly what you're talking about, because that was my New Year's resolution to stop over communicating. 
So tell the listeners briefly where they can connect with you on social media. And again, we'll make sure all of this gets into the episode description. Yes. So definitely connect with me through my podcast, which is Coffee and Divorce Chat. And if you want to share your story or love to hear more, definitely it's available on all platforms. It's usually a picture of me holding a coffee mug, but Coffee and Divorce Chat. And then for Divorce Connection, Divorce Connection, thedivorceconnection.org. And on social media, we're Divorce Connection. And then you can find my personal page that's really more dedicated to what I do for the university and and working with students. And that's Dr. H.K. Thomas. Um, Actually, no, it's Dr. K. Thomas. I I took out the H. This is Dr. K. Thomas. And you can see the things, the wonderful things we do, you know, at our university and, um, and how I just love my job and working with college students. So. Okay, I'm not saying goodbye because I feel like there will be- We will be chit-chatting soon. There's gonna be another part to this. So uh, we'll definitely be checking in with each other, but I do appreciate you so much for being on the show today. I think you shared some useful information for anyone who may be going through this process. All right, Gen Xers, that's it. It's time for us to get unlatched. I'll see you next time. Are you missing out on enjoying the benefits of your hard work like financial freedom, traveling, or a new career? Well, if you're feeling burned out and you're ready for a change, schedule a complimentary strategy session with me. As a coach, I help Gen Xers learn how to enjoy the freedoms they crave in life now instead of waiting until retirement. Now, I only offer a handful of these sessions each month and they run out quickly. So just click on the link in the episode description to reserve your complimentary session before it's too late. Together, we can reclaim your life's most ambitious dreams.